Hello, everybody, and welcome to the For the Win podcast. I am your Tuesday host, Charles Curtis, and the World Cup is over. And NFL training camps, not here yet. And we're in the middle of the All-Star break with baseball. So I had to bring Michelle Martinelli, of course, our, our awesome NASCAR, Danica Patrick, Dale Earnhardt writing, uh, uh, but also covers a lot of other stuff, college football, baseball, every, pretty much everything, right, Michelle? It covers everything for Four the Win for us, right? A little bit of everything. You hit the big three. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, what I wanted to get you in to talk about is a variety of things, because we're sort of in the in, in middle of an interesting time, and obviously Ted's on the road, and, and I should say in the road is, on the road is a funny thing. It's, he's on the road for me, because I'm in New York, and he's in New York. But he's down the road from you, basically, in, in, in Washington. But um, what's your, you know, what was your kind of feeling about Bryce Harper last night? At, we're recording this on Tuesday after uh, such a thrilling win in, in the uh, home run derby. I mean, he was wildly favored for, for several different reasons. Obviously, awesome home run hitter, all that jazz. But no one has hit as often as he has in his home park. Um and so it was honestly, it was going to be a letdown if he didn't win. But I think the manner in which he won was amazing because yeah. I can usually take it or leave it when it comes to the home run derby. It's not real baseball, but it's still kind of cool. And I was so happy that I watched because I don't know if I've ever been so into a home run derby as watching everything unfold last night. And I, I was sort of amused by all like the the I don't know if they were in jest, but like the the talk that he was cheating. You know, his father was like throwing balls when he wasn't supposed to. You know, you're supposed to wait till the the, right. the ball lands. Like, and I was like, come on, man, it's a it's an exhibition. Baseball loves this, and they need this. They need this these thrills. So like, let it happen. And also, everyone was making jokes about his dad's uh, his dad's biceps, and I just I love yeah, his I love the whole spectacle. Arms are very large. <laughs> <laughs> But do, do you feel like with Bryce Harper that this was like either sort of a, I don't know, a swan song? Of sorts? I don't even know if he knows where what he's doing next year, but given the Nats struggling, like I'm sort of like, I think he's kind of leaning toward leaving because he'll make money and win somewhere else. And maybe the Nats run of, of some success is coming to an end. Like, what do you think just by what you saw last night? And I don't know what, what you're thinking about. Well, so, I mean, this has been a big talking point in D.C. You're in New York. I'm in D.C. So um, this has been a big talking point really for the last couple years as the Nats have so much success on, or so much talent on their roster and just can't seem to make a postseason run. Um, it, it's all been building up to when Bryce Harper becomes a free agent. Like, you're only, you only have so many seasons with him. And it was kind of a, a given that he's, he's going to leave right he's gonna go you know play for the Yankees or the Cubs or whoever and that was kind of assumed by everyone um and then yesterday he shows up to the home run derby he looks great right definitely Mm -hmm. the most fashionable player out there he's got the DC flag on his headband he's got uh an American flag DC inspired cherry blossom bat with DC inspired cleats with like I, I think the constitution written on it like He's just decked out, um, and so I have two feelings on this. It either seems like kind of a, the beginning of a farewell, as like a, you know he raved about the fans last night and everything that, that went into the atmosphere there. So you could either look at it as this is his kind of the beginning of his farewell to DC, that's been his mm-hmm. home for the last few years, um, 
Or you could kind of look at it as maybe he's showing just how much he actually enjoys being here, despite the fact that they're having a very subpar season. Well, there's one more thing to, to think about there. Like, what if he knows that, like, he's got to... I don't want to say that he's forcing himself into it, because he's, he's a national. He's still a, a Washington national as of right now. There's, you know, he's not with another team. So, while he's with the nationals, he's got to kind of show his national pride. His nationals pride, his, uh, you know, so, like... I think it's his... Yeah, he's been very savvy with the media in his own way because he's deflected questions over the years. And, you know, I think he said in the outset of the season, like, I'm not answering any free agency questions, so don't even don't even try. Right, right. Um, so I feel like, I don't know, like, maybe this is him putting his best foot forward. But you, like, heard a quote from him yesterday that didn't really make it, I don't know, mainstream. Like, what, what what's your take on all that? So he um, was out in Northern Virginia yesterday dedicating a baseball field to the community. Um, He's done this before. Lots of the Nationals do it. I'm sure plenty of other teams and players do it too. Um, And he said something uh, while giving uh, a speech to the crowd. He was praising Nationals manager Davey Martinez and whose first year in this uh, franchise and said something along the lines of he wants to play for Davey Martinez for 10 to 12 years. And that was basically kind of it. And it was met with uh, cheers and clapper. And that's kind of just a big matzo ball hanging out there. (laughs) Um, Because what exactly does that mean? Davey Martinez just signed, was Nat's new manager, has a three-year contract with a fourth-year option, I believe. Um, And Bryce is about to become a free agent. But so what does that mean? Does that say when we're all kind of assuming that Bryce would leave, is that my question is, is that dropping a hint that, hey, under the right circumstances, I do want to stay in D.C. This has been my home. I'm happy here. Yeah. So I don't know. It's there's a lot. It, it almost brings up more questions than it answers. <laughs> I think that's that's great, right? A good observation there, and and I I also love that you made a Seinfeld reference uh, talking about you know big big matzo ball hanging out there. That is, <laughs> everyone should know. Michelle and I did Seinfeld week a few months ago, and and uh, uh, you should check all that out. You know, it's like a, la- a very late <laughs> advertisement for all the Seinfeld content, sports and Seinfeld content we did a few weeks ago. But yeah, I'm I'm still sort of operating under the assumption of right like if he's with the nationals he's got to talk about the nationals in the right way he mm-hmm. can't just be like we'll see what happens i don't know and also it's just funny to me because i have wondered if davy martinez has a short leash now because the nationals are supposed to be a contending team and they're not quite there and of course we have another half of the baseball season to go so it's kind of it's kind of interesting like i think that either he's acting the part or yes maybe he's sending a message like yeah, all hope is not lost in staying in, in Washington. He's just uh, throwing it out there. But yeah, that is a really good quote that I don't doesn't seem like it, it hit the mainstream. Obviously, because all the baseball writers are waiting at, at media availability for for the All Star Game. So right. interesting. It, yeah, it, it's, that's what it is. It's interesting, and you know the Nationals GM Mike Rizzo does a great job, I think. Um, and so I don't see any reason why they wouldn't obviously make themselves contenders for for Bryce like why wouldn't you try to keep him here um but are you going to have an intriguing enough offer compared to other teams that might be able to offer him more money or whatever that is you also have to consider that while he's I think second 
in the NL in home runs. He's batting like 214. Um, that doesn't scream a $400 million contract. Um, so I don't know. It, yeah. It's just, it's, it's all of the, I just, I don't know. I think we had all assumed that Bryce was going to go somewhere else and just every, the vibe you got last night from this interesting tidbit he gave about wanting to continue playing for Davey Martinez all the way down to um, him being decked out essentially in DC pride last night at the home run derby just says, hey, maybe he really likes it here. Maybe he's saying, thank you for the years, or maybe he's saying, hey, I'd like to stick around if the offer's right. I I'm, I, I will say that I, I don't think it's a certainty that he's leaving, but he's going to get paid either way. I think no matter what, even if he's hitting 214, the guy is still a megastar, and he's going to get paid like one, and maybe overpaid like one. It's just that's the, the nature of the business. Same with Manny Machado, who's, I think, mm-hmm. my opinion, a better player. But we can debate that another time. Um, and that's what yeah. I was telling uh, FTW's uh, baseball writer, Ted Berg, who's here covering the All-Star game, um, is that in my personal opinion, aside from enjoying watching Bryce Harper play, I think the Nats should just pay him whatever he wants because I can't tell you how many transplant sports fans are in D.C. who buy tickets to go see Bryce Harper play. Mm-hmm. They are not buying tickets to just go watch a baseball game because they're baseball fans. I mean, some are. But there's a large chunk of people, I believe, in this city that specifically buy tickets because they know there's a superstar on this team who hits home runs like no one else. That's and that was argument. on display last night. Yeah, that's a good argument. Really good argument. Send it to uh, to Mike Rizzo. Stamp it. You know, send it in the mail. Uh, I wanted to ask you also, because you cover NASCAR for us, What's going on in this NASCAR season? It just feels like I haven't read... I mean, you obviously write a lot about it, but I have not read like a general... A lot of takes around the internet about it. It just seems like it's very quiet season. Is is that my perception as somebody who is not a NASCAR fan, or is that really actually happening? It's quiet in a strange way. There's some very typical um, NASCAR driver pettiness that uh, we highlight every week with uh, NASCAR's Feud of the Week on FTW. (laughs) Um, But it's relatively quiet in the sense that there's what's now being called the big three drivers are dominating the season. It's uh, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, and the defending champion Martin Truex Jr., who of the 19 races that we've had so far this season... They've combined to win 14 of them. And mm. that's just, and, and even if they're, they're not winning, they're almost at least two of those three is practically guaranteed to be in the top five. Um, so while you have this crazy level of dominance from these three, which is a storyline in itself, it's also been a storyline for a while because through the first several races, they were dominating. And it's pretty much a given that it's one of those three is going to cross the finish line first. <laughs> huh. Well, th- this is this brings up a question that I have, if that's the case. We have the big three in men's tennis, and it's not boring, right? Like, I, I don't know. This is where we could debate on this. But is, is, is NASCAR a sport where that doesn't hold up, like where you want there to be a contender every other week? Or... You know, because I remember Jimmy Johnson winning how many championships or, or Jeff Gordon and these kind of superstars. Like, that seems good to me or has been good for the sport. Is it not good then to have a big three in, in NASCAR? I don't necessarily think it's bad. I mean, it's no secret that NASCAR is struggling to from everything to put 
people in seats to TV ratings. Um, it, it, the sport is struggling, and that's a completely different issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's bad. I just think if you're trying to compare it to other sports that have, you know, super teams or, or dominant players or however you want to look at it, I think you're just always going to be comparing apples and oranges because NASCAR is such a niche sport that um, it just it doesn't it's not comparable to the others. I, I spoke with Kevin Harvick a few weeks ago and asked him the specific question if I if he thought it was, you know, while he's doing a lot of the winning, does he think it's not necessarily great for the, the health of the sport that you have up to 40 drivers out there and it's almost a given that one of the same three is going to win and he compared it to uh the warriors and the Cavs, always winning uh lately last few years always ending up in the nba finals and he said well people still watch that and i just think you're not even comparing apples and oranges you're comparing apples and locomotive trains (laughs) like this is you're, you're not talking about like there's always going to be a, a different element to NASCAR because it's just it's an entirely different sport compared to what the NASCAR industry calls stick and ball sports. Right. Um, so I just I just don't think that's a fair comparison. Yes, people absolutely still tune in to watch the Cavs and the Warriors, but you have a bunch of different players whose unique talents are regularly on display. And it's just not the same thing as, well, NASCAR is a team sport within the industry. That's not how casual viewers see it. That's not how even regular viewers, like the the driver is essentially a one-man team, even if that's technically not true. So would would more winners or a a spread out competition format where, I don't know, or, or it's not even the format, right? It's like the talent level or whatever it might be that's causing however many of those races to be won by the same people. Um, is it a question of we need more talent spread across the sport, or is it are we missing one mega superstar driver that is, the you know, doing miraculous things? Well, see, and that's why I don't think it's, you know, you have one mega superstar. That's not bad for the sport, and I just don't think three is bad for the sport. But it's how they're just light years ahead of everybody else. And you're like, you brought up Jimmy Johnson, you know, arguably the best NASCAR driver of all time has not yet won a race. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there's anything wrong with three drivers dominating, but I think that through, we're just past the halfway point in the season. I think that them dominating so severely is not great. Interesting. Like they've, Kyle Busch has won five races. Kevin Harvick has won five races. And Martin Truex Jr. won on Saturday, so he's now won four. That's a and lot. And I just think, yeah, if it's five, five, and four out of 19 races, I, I think if it was three, three, and three or, or something just a little bit less with a few more winners, it'd be like, oh, yeah, this is a real race for the championship. But, you know, because realistically, you've only got 10 to 15 drivers actually contending to win a race. And I just think if it was, instead of if it was three, if you're maybe looking at five or six, I think that would just make it a little bit more exciting. Interesting. Well, what about the drama that you're talking about? You talked about pettiness a little bit. Uh, and I made the joke uh, before we got on the call about Richard <laughs> pettiness. 
which is a great dad joke. So thanks everybody. Uh, no, uh, is is that you know part of this sometimes to me is is seeing you know I don't want to say punches thrown, but you know some some serious uh, paint being exchanged uh, both figuratively and literally. Is that drawing people, or is that you know something that's that's been uh, happening and and getting eyeballs, or no? It is, and and I think a lot of that is because that has become you know the. the snarky comments at each other that has become far more entertaining this season than the actual races themselves um there there was a streak there at uh nascar was in the chicago area and then back at daytona those races were very exciting and i think most people would agree far more exciting than the rest of the season um but you know they um kyle bush is always going to be entertaining Right, he's never going to not say what's on his mind, and that leads to very interesting comments about, um, you know, uh, other drivers. He uh, he got into it with well, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Um, ended up wrecking both both Bush brothers a couple weeks ago, which is they're not. It's not hard to make them mad, and uh, you take both of them out of the race, and they're both going to be pretty mad at you. And so Kyle Busch was going back and forth last week with Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and that was interesting because he's not going to hold back and said something like someone asked uh, if Kyle Busch was going to race him differently or anything like that, and he goes, I don't have time to worry about someone that far back in the field. Hmm. And it was just kind of like, all right, that's typical Kyle Busch. That's entertaining. And NASCAR needs someone like him. They need his personality. Um, but because of, I, I think it's just the lack of interesting racing that we've had as a collective whole so far through this season, that has definitely been more entertaining than anything that's going on on the track. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to have to start watching a little bit closer now that we're getting close to, to, to or yeah, I guess, past the halfway point. Just to see if the drama is better than the drama on on the on the courses. Um, we talked about tennis before a little bit. You wrote something great over the weekend. I thought about Serena Williams. What was your kind of feeling about her her run at, at Wimbledon this year? I, it was just exceptional, and I think that if you pay any even the smallest amount of attention to the tennis world, you, you haven't missed how incredible Serena Williams was in her run to Wimbledon because this is only her second major back since giving birth in September um, and only her fourth tournament overall. And she was very open about the fact that she didn't expect to make it to the finals. And there she was. And uh, she didn't play her best tennis in the finals. She had a very strong opponent in Angelique Kerber. But I think what it says about her journey to the finals is just the fact that not just that she gave birth 10 months ago, is that she almost died from yeah. complications of that birth. And, and that just makes her, her progress and her comeback just that much more amazing. And in motherhood, she's become a, a different type of advocate, specifically talking to and about mothers and the challenges they face, and specifically mothers of color. And she is just she's found new ways to be a goat and, and i just think that's remarkable i totally agree with you uh when nina got on on monday uh our our our, our managing editor you know she said i'm gonna post this thing and she did about um what she said on twitter what serena said on twitter about you know this was for all the moms out there working moms out there like you can do it 
And I was sort of floored by that. It's like, wow, like Serena's been such an icon and such an incredible athlete. And I agree with you, Goat, uh, over the years. And now she's she's adding on to that with this is, you know, I'm, I'm taking on the, the sort of the cause of working. Like I am a working mom in my own way. You know, obviously it's different for her than it is. But she's saying it isn't. And I think there's there's something really amazing about that. And, and her legacy which was already pretty much written, just got a new chapter. And that, that I, I'm sort of stunned in a great way by that. And I love seeing that. And also, you were you know this, I, I've, I've been super excited about how Alexis O'Hanning and her, her husband is tweeting about her in such a supportive way and saying, so, you know, basically the same thing. This woman couldn't walk to the mailbox 10 months ago and here she is nearly winning a, a, another Grand Slam title. Like, wow, what an amazing woman, you know? That, and that's right. the, pretty much all you can say, right? She And she's just, yeah, like you said, she's not necessarily relatable in the sense that, you know, she's a superstar athlete who attended the royal wedding and stuff like that. But she's been very open about her struggles as a mother and not um, because they're unique to her, but because they're specifically not unique to her. And she wants other women out there to know that, that it's okay if you're struggling with postpartum depression. It's okay if you're emotional when you're debating whether or not to to stop breastfeeding and she even said um the second to last weekend of wimbledon she shared with everyone on twitter that she missed her daughter's first steps and was devastated by it because she was training now can the rest of the world identify with being a, a tennis player or a professional athlete no but working parents working moms know what it's like to miss pivotal moments in your child growing up because you're working yeah it's it, it is un- incredible and i'm now i'm curious to see where where it goes from here because to we've i want to say like there there have been kids i mean like steph curry's daughter and other kids like that that we've seen grow up in the age of social media but it seems like serena's taking us really inside of this in a, in a very honest way that maybe i and i'm not this is no offense other parents athlete parents but it feels like to me in an inside way that is different than all the other ones. Do you feel that way as well? It, um, compared to other athletes, yes. I would say there there are a lot of um, celebrities that are fairly open about some sure. specific struggles. But as far as athletes go, I do think Serena is giving us a, a personal take on it that is sort of like these are issues that I am facing I know I am not the only one facing them so let's talk about them openly yeah it is not you are not a bad person for feeling x or feeling y like this is something that happens to lots of people and everybody's a little bit different and there's nothing wrong with you yes well said. Good way to end it. Uh, Michelle, you are at M. Martinelli 4. Any reason why it's 4? Did you did you wear that number when, when you played sports? I mean, technically, yes, I did. But because my name without a number just is, has been taken. <laughs> yeah, obvi- I mean, obviously, but, but 4. Okay, what, what sport did you wear 4 for? Uh, lacrosse. Lacrosse. Oh, that's right. You were a cross player. Well, anyway, everyone should follow Michelle. She does some great stuff before the win. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us, as always. Thanks, Charles. <laughs>